Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of GLE. Hey, if if you haven't subscribed yet, before we jump in, if you please subscribe to the show, share the show. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Go, go subscribe, whatever platform, even on some of the ones that you're not on. If you go subscribe there, it'll help this get out to more people. Um, if you like it, share the show. We really do appreciate it. And today I'm thrilled to have an awesome guest with me. On today's show, we have a life and leadership advisor. She has a master's in clinical psychology, is a speaker, shamanic healer, and she specializes in human behavior, energy healing, and leadership and business consulting. She's got a passion for health, leadership, and performance, and she really takes a unique approach looking at these through the lens of both science and spirituality, which is super interesting. You know, faith's one of the core values of GLE, so we're going to dive deep into that and really understand sort of how she views the spiritual side of faith. And, you know, I'm really excited for today's conversation with Carissa Johnson. Carissa, welcome to GLE. Oh, what an intro. I like how you abbreviate GLE and you're representing with the hat right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so subtle, much right? love. For- really <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation that unfolds. Yeah, it's really interesting how we got connected through a, you know, a mutual friend, a f- former podcast guest on GLE. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a uh, an example of some of the the spiritual things we experience day to day where, you know, we're praying for someone or thinking about somebody and uh, they end up texting us or calling us or, you know, people talk about deja vu or they had a dream and it kind of ended up happening. And what is that all about? And so really excited to dive into in, into this topic with you and understand that a little bit better. But before we do, I really want to just get for my audience and for me, since this is really our first conversation, sort of an overview of your background and how you became a leadership coach and a and a spiritual you know trauma healing coach and 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 really you know it's funny and before you go into your story, I I was just reminded of Jordan Peterson in a way because he was a clinical psychologist who's now like doing this leadership you know responsibility content twelve rules for life books right and and now he's even diving into the Bible and getting into all sorts of like spiritual topics which is just kind of an interesting parallel and I, I was really curious to hear how your story is unique to kind of follow that same sort of curve yeah thank you for that first of all I'd like to give a shout out to the person who connected us who is Joshua G G Crampton and let everybody know that they should go back and listen to that podcast. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he's, he was on once or twice, but the podcast that I listened to was incredible. So going to plug you on your own show and give a shout out to the man who connected us. So thank you, Joshua. Heck yeah. And yeah. 
And um, okay, so I'll, I'll kind of keep this succinct because my story is very, very long, but I grew up with a lot of mental health challenges. I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression at a very young age. And, you know, I got into a lot of um, poor behavior, poor behavior at a very young age. And, you know, started to get into a lot of trouble that would have led me down a very different path in my life. I had friends who were, um getting arrested for substance use and getting you know pregnant at a very young age and i saw my life going in a very different direction and then my mom relocated me to a different you know high school and i met who became my first mentor he was a teacher of mine and something i really appreciated about him and i will praise him to the world and why i do the work that i do an aspect of it is because he didn't talk down to me. He really saw me for who I was. And a lot of times when we experience authority, whether it comes through a teacher or a parent or even a role model in ways, there's this um, there's this hierarchical approach of, you know, you should listen to me. I'm older. I know better, yada, yada, yada. And he, when he really sat down and he met me in that place, I'd never been seen or experienced in that way. And he really believed in me. He really encouraged me to, to dream bigger and, um, you know, stop holding myself back. And so I, you know, applied to college, I ended up being a first generation college student and started becoming obsessed with naturally, how do I heal myself of anxiety? How do I, you know, get rid of this, what felt like a debilitating stigma mm -hmm. that was really holding me back. And little by little, I started getting uh, involved in clubs, starting holding different leadership positions. And what was formerly an addiction to like numbing and feeling like an outcast and isolating became an, a healthy obsession around bettering myself became around improving and I saw the natural progression of my life. And so I, you know, I got my master's degree in clinical psychology. I actually studied um, a lot of different healing modalities of Western medicine. My thesis was about subjective happiness. I sort of was the outcast in my master's degree program. Everybody's studying, um, you know, these empirically validated approaches. And I'm like, how do we use meditation in the classroom? And everyone's kind of giggling at me. And I just always had this sort of progressive thought around being willing to willing to challenge the status quo. And even in my master's program, um, you know, I just didn't agree with the the diagnostics that were hand, hand, uh, that were happening, and you know, some of the prescription pushing that was happening. And being on somebody, being somebody who had been in, um, who had dealt with mental health myself, and now being educated about it, I had both the education and experience to stand for something different. So when I got out of my master's degree. I became uh, a licensed professional counselor and worked in community mental health and low socioeconomic status families and communities. And it was really difficult. I was seeing, you know, 10 clients back to back a day. I was had wow. a capped income, capped, capped ability and how many people I could see. I was doing so much paperwork. I was like, where's the heart in this? There is absolutely no heart in this. There is no compassion and understanding for the wholeness of the person. This is not holistic. And I started getting so frustrated with the system that I decided I wanted to stand for something more. So I was like, forget this. I don't want to be a counselor anymore. What else can I do with my career that's going to position me better and differently and actually make a greater impact in the world? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I got in contact with a couple people who were doing life coaching. So I started a business at 25. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to start telling people I'm life coaching. And because I was trained as a clinical professional, for me, it felt an integrity. Mm -hmm. So and I had the experience of being in the, in the mental health side and navigating my own challenges 
challenges and overcoming substance use and a lot of, uh, you know, other unhealthy behaviors. And so I started life coaching and I started attracting clients and all these things, beautiful things started happening. And then, you know, I crashed and burned because I had nothing. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I thought I could just be a life coach and all these amazing things would happen. I didn't know that I had to be the copywriter, the salesperson, the marketer, the decision maker, the leader. (laughs) So I went to corporate for a little bit and I became a um, clinical therapist or a clinical life coach Mm -hmm. is what my title was. And I was working on the opposite edge of the spectrum with really wealthy families. So I was working with like the top 1% of families all all over the world who were sending their children to this program that I worked at that was a... um, a non-residential treatment program for wealthy families who wanted to outsource some of their um like caretaking of their students to different different responsibilities so i did that Mm -hmm. and then same thing i learned a lot about leadership i had a a, held a leadership position there i worked up a lot of skills i had a very good supervisor and then in 2018 we just realized i'm meant for entrepreneurship i had built up more skills and then I, you know, was doing life coaching. I knew that I had really learned a lot about business. And so from a psychological perspective was helping women create online businesses using social media, using the psychology of sales, but doing it from a heart centered place and also honoring the very important aspect of what I believe is fundamental to long-term legacy and sustainable success, which is balance and mental health. And mm-hmm. while I don't believe in balance per se, I don't think our, our lives are ever going to be, I think the pursuit of it is very beautiful and very honorary of life and about how it's about more than just working. And so I've been in this business for four and a half, almost five years now. It's I've changed, changed in different niches from life coaching, mindset coaching, business consulting. I've kind of played in all the fields to, to really land ultimately in what I feel like is my greatest expertise, which is leadership. And because of my, my background in clinical psychology, there's a psychological, like a psycho-spiritual component to supporting entrepreneurs and really leading themselves and leading others to their greatness and optimizing their human potential. So it's been a it's been many years in the making, but I really feel like I'm in um, my my zone of genius and have a lot of different skills and abilities to help entrepreneurs because I know what it's like to go yeah. through all of that. So it's been a it's been a journey, but it's it feels really good to be in this moment. That sounds like an incredibly wild ride. You know, you said a few things there that that really resonated with me. One, challenging the status quo and, uh, you know, being willing to just take a chance and kind of redirect, right? And, and um, you know, my dad used to say something to me and it stayed with me. I can't tell you how many times I've quoted it. Before you help, you got to know what help is. And you reminded me of that when you were talking about your counselor days and you're spending all this time in a role that's supposed to be or is intended to be helping people. And and you kind of had this realization that with all this time spent, it's really not, you know, helping people in the way that they really need to be helped. And so, you know, that's something I think is super important. And, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I, I really resonate with that is with the whole GLE mission, right, is is that people, you, me, everyday people can help and, and have a huge impact on the world and lives all around them every day. And so, you know, I love that you saw that in your daily life and, and were willing, even at such a young age, to just redirect. Like, I'm really impressed by that. Mm, thank you um, for saying that. Yeah. I want to say something to it that you mentioned that I think is really important. It's like everyone is a leader in their own right. 
right? I feel like that's the essence of GLE. It's like, go lead. Everybody's sort of a leader in their own life. And when right. you realize that you can be of help and service to anyone, you don't need to be in a hierarchical position to mm-hmm. have an influence on the world. We all have something to say and something that really matters. So thank you for bringing awareness to that. 100%. And for those that get confused about go lead everything, it doesn't mean be a yes man like Jim Carrey on the movie. That's that's not the <laughs> that's not the mission of the podcast. You'd be surprised how many people think that that's what GLE is all about, and it's not. It's about exactly what Carissa just said. If y'all aren't following Carissa, go check her out. Carissa Johnson, J O H N S E N dot com, and make sure she's got a podcast that's launching here shortly. Transcendent Leadership Podcast. Go give that a follow. And uh, check out her stuff too. I'm really excited to chat with you about faith and you know how it is a component of leadership because I, you know, one of the core values of GLE is faith, and not many other core values that I see, especially those related to leadership, have to do with faith. So I was really excited to speak with you because you also have you know that spiritual faith transcendent leadership focus. So what is faith-based, spiritual, transcendent leadership to you? And and let's dive into this topic. Yeah, it's really interesting. As I was praying right before this conversation, I always ask to speak the words of God and to be an open vessel for whatever wants to come through. And I was thinking, if he asks me how I would define leadership, what would I say? And I actually wanted to use your four main components to give a general overview of what leadership is and then sort of dive into my perspective in how it's a little, my transcendent leadership approach is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's the courage, um, it's the courage that somebody, the individual has and in being willing to go first. It's the faith that they have in something greater than themselves and in the hope for humanity it's the love that they walk with and the compassion for others and it's their willingness to stand for truth i think those things are fundamental in what it means to be a leader and i think that oftentimes leadership has been sort of this authoritative like telling people what to do delegating very hyper masculine approach and it's not to say there's anything wrong with the masculine approach i just think it's it's naturally um, sort of missing another component, which is compassion and Mm -hmm. the heart, right? So that's, we are whole bodied beings. We have a masculine and feminine aspect of us. Mm -hmm. And I don't, we're not going to get into the patriarchy and all of that. That's not important to me. What's important to me is recognizing how leadership is fundamentally changing and empathy and compassion and more of these soft skills are going are being in, invited for invited to um, some of these harder skills that are necessary and important. Like you were talking about, go lead everything is not about saying yes to everything. Boundaries are mm-hmm. really important in leadership and honoring oneself are, is very important in leadership. And so I think for me, what transcendent leadership is about is about recognizing that we are whole bodied beings, that we have a masculine and feminine part of us, that we have a left and right brain, that we are guided by forces of energy, what I identify as God, some people might say the universe or what have you, 
that are orchestrating things that are in our favor. And the more that we can connect with our body and move simply out of intellect and the mental constructs, the more we have the ability to lead from the heart. Transcendent leadership is about going beyond self, really showing up compassionately, effectively, authentically, and transparently in a world that really desperately needs leaders who are attuned to energy, who have who have an understanding of mental health, who are willing to to go first and do the hard things. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that what the reason why I do the work that I do and why I stand for this is because oftentimes the people who are in leadership positions are those who have the greatest power, influence and wealth. And I'm talking leadership positions in terms of like companies, uh, CEOs, like politics, things like that. Obviously, sure. everyone is a leader. But those who have, you know, are the leaders are those who have power, influence and wealth. Right. And in some regard, because of this, this former paradigm of success and this hustle mentality, there has been a lot of rise and grind, like just, you know, work your face off to do the thing which has mm -hmm. compromised our well-being and our happiness to get there people have often sacrificed themselves in order to get to their their top right and so if people are sacrificing an aspect of themselves and they get to there they're often experiencing and moving from trauma mm -hmm. and that's what happens a lot of people who are are in these these hierarchical positions are moving from trauma and so they're seeing the world through a very specific lens, sort of missing the multi perspective or the meta perspective or the meta approach around looking at the world through a holistic lens, looking at the operating system versus versus just the parts. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I want to go back to the faith, the love, the truth and the courage that really matter. I think this should just be overall leadership instead of just identifying it as spiritual leadership. Mm -hmm. But we as a society are very spiritually malnourished is what I'll say. And I think mo the most effective leadership that's going to take place in this sort of new paradigm of success, of happiness, of leadership is going to be that those who have a uh, faith in something greater and who have hope for humanity and are willing to do things differently and not just operate off of these old archaic ways of being. We have to be open to new ways of thinking about things, to new approaches. That's not to say that success doesn't leave clues and we're not still gonna take aspects of this, but if we want to get somewhere else, we have to be willing to do things differently. I, I love that, Carissa. And just to emphasize the spiritual part, I mean, we are spirit beings. We are body and spirit. I think so many people just leave that out and we're all focused on how do we make our bodies healthy or, you know, what what's uh, what's going on with our, our physical bodies. But we also are spirit beings. And, and that is something that not many people really understand well, including me. And, you know, we probably won't fully understand it until, you know, the end of the end of time and the end of the age. Right. But, um, you know, you said a couple of things in there that I just loved going beyond self, willing to go first, do the hard things first. And this is, this is that example leadership that, you know, instead of sitting up top and pointing, telling people what to do, we're, we're stepping into, into it, showing people the way. And this is something I've learned the hard way, Carissa, that, you know, people are really kind of, I'll say monkey see monkey do. I don't believe we used to be monkeys by the way, but, um, you know, we do what we see done. And I I've learned this through seeing my two-year-old daughter quickly repeat things that I do some good, some not so good. 
And, you know, everyone is that way. And so if we show the way and, and show by example, by doing, then really the, you know, people will see that and they'll see those good works and follow. And, um, you know, I, I saw a post recently that you reminded me of where, um, the post said something about, be careful which dogs you feed because they might just need enough food to have the energy to bite you. And I'm curious your thoughts on this because I've toyed in my mind that some of the best leaders aren't afraid to get bit. They're not afraid to get punched in the face. And, you know, you mentioned trauma and I want to kind of transition to the trauma piece because this, this part's intrigued me, but you know, how would you respond and, and what do you think about, you know, leaders not being afraid to sort of take a punch and step in, you know, step in first and, and be willing to, to face whatever consequences might come from standing in truth and being courageous. Right. And how does that relate to some of the trauma work you do? Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. And I want to, for a moment, circle back to what you were saying is that, um, from a psychological developmental perspective, how we learn is through modeling. And so I remember my dad always telling me, don't do as I do, do as I say. And I think that that is sort of the paradigm that we're shifting out of that you're realizing with your daughter, right? She's picking up on things that you're doing and that you're saying. And so that's why it's important that leadership isn't a concept. It isn't what somebody is. It's an act, right? It's a constant act of doing the right thing of showing up. Like there's, there's so many aspects of that, but for me, it's an act and it's something that I choose daily. Mm -hmm. I choose this daily and not every day is it necessarily easy for me but i know that in order for me to be a good leader i have to be in integrity i can't tell my clients to do something that i'm not willing to do integrity is a fundamental principle of good leadership so modeling that behavior is paramount in what we're stepping into Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think you know to go to answer your question around it's interesting to me because whenever I think about getting bit, I don't know how my body is responding to that right now as a feminine being, but I will oh. tell you is that the backlash, <laughs> there will be natural backlash of, of what, of what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And as a status quo, the, you know, yes, some leaders may not be afraid to um, receive that backlash because they hold a higher purpose and they hold a higher vision. For mm-hmm. me, this circles back to the spiritual component. I receive, I like feel the presence of God around me when I'm making these decisions, when I'm working with clients, when I feel and experience that, when God is next to me, who can be against me? When God is behind me, who can be against me? So when I experience somebody who has backlash against something that I'm saying, I sort of look at this person and this has actually helped me transmute it a lot. Yes, leaders have to be willing to do that because we are the people who set new paradigms, new trends, go first, yes, et cetera. And there is there is a natural sort of um, disagreement and dissonance that's going to happen with that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when we, when I see someone who is fighting against me and who wants to bite me, what I look at is I see a child. Mm-hmm. And I, and I see, and and I look in those person's eyes and I see a little child. And when I see this, when I see, I see a child and I, and I'm able to witness that this person likely has some sort of programming 
or wounds that I am going against around some sort of belief system that mm -hmm. they have adopted as their reality. And as we as we really go against realities right now and we challenge the status quo, we will be villainized in some regards because people have a tendency from a categorical uh, psychological perspective, they categorize, they generalize. If this person identifies with this thing, they're good. If they identify with this thing, they're bad, right? We right. have to, we have these heuristics in our brain that help us compartmentalize things quickly because we're constantly bombarded by information. Mm -hmm. So when I see somebody who pushes against something that I'm saying, I have compassion for that person and I can witness them through the eyes of God because I see a child and I see a child who's afraid of me challenging their belief system, a child who's afraid that I might not be safe, a child who's afraid that that I'm going to say something that's going to make them question their entire reality that would then leave them to grief. Because once you adopt a new philosophy, a new version of yourself or something else, there also comes the simultaneous grief that comes with the old thing dying. So mm -hmm. of course I would be villainized. Of course I would be bit because this person, I stand as a representation of everything that they believe. So mm -hmm. it comes naturally with the territory. I definitely see them as a wounded, I don't even want to say wounded child, but I see the wounds that come from that. And I have compassion for that. And that is mm -hmm. why I do the work that I do is because we all have big T trauma, big things that happen in our life. I won't even go down that route unless we want to, or little T trauma. It could be little things, right? Mm -hmm. And that shapes our perspective on reality. Zero to seven years old, we have pretty much created our entire narrative for what we believe up until the, at the age of seven. By that time, we have formulated enough neural pathways to represent a certain uh, perspective that we will likely hold for our lives unless we do a significant amount of personal development work or trauma work. And so, yeah, it's the reason why I do what I do is because we all have these conflicting realities that are in some regards creating more separation within each other and from from each other that I think is ultimately what is getting us further away from the evolution, the greatness and the human potential because we're driving away from each other because of our trauma, right. et cetera. So I, mean, I could, we could dive more into the trauma, but yeah. just to scratch the surface, it's incredibly important in the ways that we show up in the world because it's at the foundation of what we believe and how we see ourselves and how we behave with each other. You just covered so much there. And you reminded me of, you know, you're talking about your entrepreneurship journey. I bet you probably had to go through in your entrepreneurship journey, you know, certain many deaths of, of uh, parts of old you, I guess I'll say, you know, as most entrepreneurs do. And there's, you know, there's lots of entrepreneurs listening to this show. So, you know, how how did you experience some of that as an entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur early in your career um, in in business? Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I feel like I've gone through what I would call a death cycle. And with my study, my study with shamanism, it's all about tuning into nature and tuning in the cycles and seasons of Mother Earth. How do we honor the natural evolution that's happening with or without us? And I feel that going through those death cycles was fundamental in me becoming who I am because when we do personal development, healing work, 
I don't actually believe that we're coming a different person per se. Mm -hmm. I believe that we are stripping everything away from who we actually are. And so as we strip away these aspects of ourselves and programming and belief systems that are irrelevant or unhealthy or unhelpful for who we desire to be, there's a grieving process for that. So I think we don't die per se, but we right. grieve what the perception of the version that we think we were or thought we were supposed to be. But ultimately what we're left with is the most purest divine like aspects of ourselves that were here from when we were born mm -hmm. so it's it's you know i've gone through many and i think that instead of looking at it for me what's helped me instead of going looking at it through I, there's a death it's integrating that part of me was so necessary and important mm -hmm. my brand and my vision has gone through so many iterations you could go online and look at all the seasons and cycles of my life but they were all important because we right. are not only multi-dimensional but we have different parts of us there's a, a modality called parts work where we have like a little inner child we have different parts of us right. and so integrating those parts of me recognizing there's a whole and there's right. different aspects of me has helped me sort of relinquish the fact that it has to like I have to let go of this part of me. It's like, no, I am this person. I'm this person. I'm this person. And the more that I have recognized that I can be all of it, I've stepped into the true authentic nature of who I meant to be. And so, you know, it's been difficult. You yeah. know, I just got out of a death cycle the last two years where it was so disorienting, where I was grasping onto my identity. Like, mm -hmm. this is who I am. I'm this, I'm this multiple six figure entrepreneur. I'm blah, 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 all of these things. And then when I went through this deep spiritual awakening, everything got shattered and I felt like I was nothing. And God said, and you're still lovable, right? Mm -hmm. Can I, can you love yourself without the, the multiple five figure cash months and the sold out private coaching and all mm -hmm. of it? Can you love yourself at the core of who you are? So that's what it is. Those cycles and those seasons strip away who we're not so that mm -hmm. we can see and experience unconditional love. You, you mentioned, I absolutely love that. You mentioned, uh, you know, the kind of child-like mentality. And when you talk about that, you made me think of JP talking about integrating the shadow. And I've had some folks close to me in my life where, you know, I almost, I think of it as just growing up and like going through some of those deaths, or, you know, maybe we think of it as pruning, you know, when you're pruning a tree, you're cutting off the dead branches or, you know, the branches that don't serve the tree and it actually allows it to grow healthier and produce more fruit. Right. And so, you know, as you think about that, I, I see a lot of folks in, in, you know, some of my old circles that I don't think they've ever really grown up They're They're, they're, um, you know, in a childlike teenager, like sort of mentality, and they've never really had to go through or do that integration. And they, and they've never really experienced what it's like to really take ownership and responsibility of who they are, who God made them to be their true identity outside of, you know, these external labels that come from the world. Would you say that's right on or, or way off? No, I think it's right on. And I'll just add a little bit to that. The reason why people are often like that is because um, from a developmental perspective, they had stunted growth. We have certain needs, developmental needs that in order to uh, grow into the adult version of ourselves, whether it be consciously, psychologically, um, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, there are certain needs that need to be met. And so if that 
individual as an adult when they were younger weren't shown weren't uh, given the need of safety and they their parent weren't wasn't there for them mm-hmm. when they needed them and when they were crying as a child they were stunted in their growth emotionally so it becomes difficult for them to actually function in the world and sort of grow up because they're so they're caught in that developmental stage that's why trauma work is so important so there there's the part of me that's like come on dude like get it together grow up and then there's the other trauma informed part of me that's like you're there's a there's a child in there who didn't have their needs met and who is afraid of life so -hmm. that's where the courage comes in right if you can have courage i fundamentally believe if you have no other characteristic in your life but you have courage you can get through anything i don't believe that it's limiting beliefs or that it's trauma that's getting in the way of our human potential i believe it's our desire to be comfortable and leaders and like humans that are making a difference in this world or that are healing don't just get out of their comfort zone they fundamentally stay there and if you can stay like allowing yourself to feel the feelings of what it is like to be uncomfortable, you will experience the greatness that's on the other side. Uncomfortability is a sensation in the body. Like my biggest fear was that I was going to lose everything and go live on my dad's couch. And there was a moment where everything was crumbling for me. And I literally created a situation that was like that. And I was on what what I experienced as my greatest fear, sleeping on my dad's couch, didn't have cash really coming in because I was rebuilding my business. And I was like, wow, my greatest fear wasn't actually the fear of sleeping on my dad's couch. It was the emotion of disappointment. It was the sensation of that. So oftentimes people who are stunted in their growth, you know, developmentally is because they've had sort of trauma because maybe a need wasn't met or something wasn't there. So if if they can cultivate courage, if they can just do it scared anyway and feel the fear, then you can mm-hmm. get past anything. Sure. So I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. You are right on. The uncomfortability piece, you just I don't know if I'm right on this or not, but faith and fear are are two interesting concepts to me because to me fear is just faith in something that's false or you know, it's it's a lack of true faith in, in what's true. Right. And so to me, it's if like you're fearful of being uncomfortable, then it's almost just a lack of faith or or you know, you're really living in a fear mindset of you know what these external forces are gonna think, or oh no, I'm I'm not gonna have food if I don't have money, or and and you know, the Bible you know I'm a Christian, but the Bible talks about this, right? Like he works all things for the good of those who love and trust in him. And you know, I feed the birds. How much more will I take care of you, you know, my children, and and uh, provide for you and make sure your your needs are met? So you know, when we're really living in faith, knowing that God has put us right where we need to be to get where we need to go, and and the two stories that really blow me away in the Bible related to this, there's probably there's more out there, but Joseph and how you know he had a dream. Speaking of spiritual moments, as a young boy, that all of his family was bowing down to him and his brothers didn't like it. And he, you know, he's probably dumb for telling them that at a young age, but he told all his brothers and and they hated him for it. And they sold him off into slavery. They wanted to kill him, but uh, the oldest brother stepped up and, you know, didn't end up killing him. They sold him off, convinced him to sell him into slavery. He was in slavery. He was imprisoned. He was accused of rape, you know? And, and this is the guy that had this dream of like, Hey, my, my whole family is going to bow down to me at some point in the future. And ultimately years later ends up being basically the second in command of Pharaoh in Egypt 
and saving the whole nation of Israel from a famine. But I'm sure in those low moments without faith, he probably would have felt pretty fearful and and probably did, you know, maybe along the way. But, you know, I feel, I just feel like, you know, it's so critical to make sure you know that God has put you right where you need to be to do the pruning, to do the integration, to prepare you for what's next. And and you're really right where you need to be to get where you need to go. Do you, do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. <clears throat> and I think for me, for my experience and a lot of the people that I work with, you know, there needs to be what you put your faith in, like you said, right? And so people can put their faith, they put their faith in the political leaders, they put their faith in blah, right. blah, blah. Putting your faith in the purest source that there is in God is for me, the only place it needs to go. It's the clearest, cleanest energy that it's just, you can, ex- you can feel it when you tap into it. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would honestly challenge just a little bit of your perspective around the, the fear, primarily because fear is, um, it's a very primitive part of our psychology, right? Mm-hmm. It's millions of years old. It's a survival mechanism. So I think that faith is a way is the antidote in many in many regards and that the very primitive aspect and the biological aspect of our fear is to keep us safe so it's not to shame that we are fearful but to recognize there's a very high level of intelligence that's happening in our body that's just crosswired right we're sort of fearing things that aren't necessary and once we can recognize that we're not fearful like what we're fearful of we can place in god's hands because that's often where a lot of the fear comes from we're trying to control right this needs to happen now what else is going to happen but when you can surrender and relinquish your your control to god i think that's when you can transmute a lot of the fear but i don't personally ever think that fear will go away because it's a natural part of our psychology our biology our physiology and it's very smart and so it's just keeping us safe from the things that ultimately we need to confront in order to evolve in order to grow i think Mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship i was so scared of being disliked, of being publicly humiliated on social media, like this cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of just, instead of being like, no, I should just have faith. What I did was just recognize, wow, I really love that my body wants to keep me safe. Thank you so much, God, for creating a vessel that wants to protect me. It's that I'm grateful and I also am placing my faith here. So I think it's more of an and conversation that Mm -hmm people recognize fear is never going to go away. I walk with it every day, but I walk with more faith and that's how I lead. And that's how I get to where I want to go because I don't have control over everything. And once you can relinquish a little bit of that control, which sometimes takes trauma work because we feel very unsafe in life, especially from our caregivers, if they weren't there, it's what happens in our, in our body. So, um, yeah, I think it, it takes work to sort of move to that place and that sense of safety and to experience, to experience faith, I think often gives people the opportunity to lean on it more. I love that. Love that. I'm going to take a 180 here. Sorry for, for Moose, the camera dog bark. bark <laughs> he likes to bark at the, uh, at people outside. He, he stepped away from the camera for a minute. Um, <laughs> you mentioned earth cycles 
And this is something that intrigued me because I just learned, and I, you probably know all this and, and are an expert in it. I'm I'm a total noob, but I just learned that there's actually supposed to be 13 months, and they're all supposed to be 28 days, and so there's not supposed to be like these odd even months and and 12 in the calendar we follow. Are you aware of this? Do you know anything about this? You know, I know a decent amount about astrology. I'm I'm not a ton well versed in that. I did actually not know that. Really? Where 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 did you source that information? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's probably on a reel. You know, the most quality, <laughs> like uh, most quality like- news. So I'm not on TikTok, but I I, I get other reels. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I it made a lot of sense to me though because it was like okay, every month's 28 days. There's 13 months. It follows the constellations or whatever in the stars um it just seemed to be way more like makes sense than you know one's 31 one's 30 one's 29 but every fourth year it's 28 or, or whatever like that's never made it just sense feels to me really complicated <laughs> yeah, yeah right it's like who made this up it's, it's bizarro bizarro anyway so uh i digress so a couple things if you're not following carissa go give her a follow she's uh her website's carissa Johnson, C-A-R-I-S-S-A, J-O-H-N-S-E-N.com. Make sure you check out the Transcendent Leadership Podcast. When's that coming out, Carissa? Um, so the podcast currently right now is called Freedom Designers. It's my old brand, but uh, it is relaunching in, in the mid-February. So we have three weeks, I think, four weeks, something like that, um, upon the relaunch date. We just finalized a lot of the pieces where... We might have a sponsorship, so we're really excited to bring it to bring it back. We have some amazing guests. I know you. We talked about you being one of them as well, so people can oh, look cool. forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Um, yeah. Before we go, I got to ask you one thing, and before I ask you my final question, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this because it's really intriguing to me. Just recently, I came across something I had never seen before. So, if um, you're familiar with the Bible, and you probably know that years ago there's there was there's apocryphal books or books that are like outside of what people consider the canon of scripture right and there's like the book of enoch and yasher and maccabees and jubilees and you know the book of wisdom and all this stuff um which at some point in like the 1800s was no longer a part of our our bibles and it's not necessarily that um you know it's bad stuff it's it's good history it just wasn't considered to be canonical by whoever made those decisions at the time. At least that's my understanding. I'm, I'm given an extremely quick overview of this just so people <laughs> have some, some context. But um, Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, considered to be the wisest man ever, um, wrote Proverbs, wrote Ecclesiastes. Um, I, I just recently came across this manuscript that's supposedly from King Solomon, and it's his account of um, actually binding demons and making them help him build the temple in Jerusalem, which is fascinating. And everyone's always debated whether Solomon's in heaven or not, because at the end of his life, he ended up sacrificing to um, some false gods and uh, supposedly fell away uh, from from his faith. At least that's what I've heard. But actually, at the end of this manuscript, he, he says exactly that. So it was kind of like, what the heck? I don't know what this manuscript is. I just came across it. But you talk about ancient wisdom, and I'm just curious what... <laughs> What I know, you're probably like, how did he get to there? Way to lean into that question. (laughs) Well, I'm curious if you studied Solomon at all and what you mean by ancient wisdom. Is this like Enochian 
magic stuff? Because, you know, I, I'm just curious what what you mean by ancient wisdom. Yeah, thank you for asking that. It, it, it's not that I've studied Solomon. No, the primarily the ancient wisdom that I come from is the shamanism, right? And so for me, it's ancient wisdom around plants, around the seasons, around cycles, mm -hmm. around the constellation, around like the the modalities that I've learned, one of the modalities that I'm trained in is called guided energy medicine. And it's fundamentally tuning into the fact that we have different light bodies and that we can energy is science as well. This isn't like so woo woo spiritual. You can actually research the different layers of our body, the different ways that energy can be moved. Sure. Um, and so the wisdom that, that the ancient tools and practices in some ways are very basic that people already do, you know, breath work, mm -hmm. meditation. Some of these practices are very old. Um, Qigong, as well as um, what is the other one that I always want to say? It's where you do um, where you like move different things in the home. It's not I'm not trained in this, but it was it's like a 4000 year old. Is it like chi? No, um, not chi. I forget, but basically Feng Shui. Feng Shui, thank you. Exactly. You That's not a tool, an ancient tool that I use. But I'm, what I'm speaking to is a lot of these tools, breath, qigong, um, tai chi, uh, meditation. These practices are ancient. They are thousands of years old. Right. Uh, connecting with herbs in, in Mother Earth, right? There's a lot of healing that can mm -hmm. come from that. So these ancient tools, practices, rituals, prayers, a lot of actually what I teach to a lot of my clients when they first come to me, it's one of the first tools we talk about. It's an ancient tool to me. That's a prayer. How are you directing your energy? How are you getting in ritual, creating sacred space, connecting to creator and whatever you believe? So these things are fundamental and the practices that I teach. So those are the ancient, but also seemingly basic overlooked tools that people often miss that are fundamental for me to having a very happy and successful life. So those would be the tools that I'm more or less referring to. Very cool. <laughs> very cool. I, so I'm a big believer in the whole energy thing. And, you know, some people think the energy stuff is all woo woo juju. I probably would have 10 years ago, but you know, if you've actually seen studies of how water behaves when just words are spoken over it or, or how sound can impact, you know, water crystals, I mean, it's phenomenal. And you think about the body is made up of majority water, you know, mm -hmm. you can't help, but, you know, really truly think that the music, the things we put in, you know, the words that, that we're hearing, the words we're speaking coming out of our body, right. All, all that has an impact on our state and on our bodies and on our spirit. And, and so, you know, from a prayer perspective, sure. God, I mean, a hundred percent, it has an impact. And so, you know, that's why I love Carissa, your, your message on just how important that is when it comes to leadership. And, uh, I'm so thrilled that I was able to have you on. Sorry to kind of totally throw a, a humdinger with the Solomon stuff. Oh, it's all good. I look into I, uh... all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff these days and I'm just intrigued, right? Seek and you shall find. So I'm, I'm seeking. Um, I loved it. so before we go, I just want to, uh, ask you one final question. It's my favorite question because it's kind of based off of, you know, like why I started GLE. Uh, one of the reasons was I thought it would be so cool if I had a podcast from my great, great grandparents or people in, in my history and was able to just watch hours and hours of conversations of, you know, great, great grandpa Swanson years ago or grandma talking to whoever whatever cool people might've been around then. But, you know, I only have like one picture 
or you know maybe an old VHS tape of of them you know maybe a few years before they passed away so you know one of the reasons I started GLE was who knows how many people are going to see Carissa and Phil talking for generations down the line so I'm just last question always love to hear the answers to this question if you had to leave the future generations with just one thing could be one or two things but what would you leave the future generations with today mm-hmm. let me let me tune in for a moment and see what what wants to come through you know i think it's i think i've already mentioned it but i just want to circle back to it it is that we live in a world and a and in a time where so many things are possible and when we think back in history about running a four minute mile at one point that was believed was impossible now people have run that and they have outdone that mm-hmm. if we desire to really experience human potential we have to be willing to try things that feel outrageous but are on our hearts and our deepest desires and that nudge for me that is my higher guidance my my connection to god that i hear reach out to this person say this thing follow this thing go this direction that internal guidance system that intuition that connection to god i think leads us to our greatness and leads us to our human potential but the thing is we need two things we need trust that it actually exists we need trust that god actually exists and that there are forces of energy intelligence that want us to get into a new evolution that want us to survive that want us to live and be happy and prosper and we also need the courage to do the really uncomfortable things so fundamentally it's having trust in a higher power and having courage to do the things that people say are impossible because it's only the one people it's only the people who think that that other people think that they're crazy are actually the ones who change the world and i'm really excited to see how many people in this next generation and in ours who really move forward and really challenge the status quo so that we can actually see what our human potential is so you know i don't want to say push the limits but like challenge yourself and really listen to that intuition that source of god and that source of greatness because in my experience and in the hundreds thousands of people that i have coached thus far it will lead you to an an incredible and miraculous life you heard it i love it carissa thanks for coming on the show y'all hear your calling and go courageously forth all you in the gle network and go lead everything if you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more it has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at gle thank you for your support you are the reason we do what we do see you next time go 